So empathy and intellectual curiosity are two things, superpowers, that if you put into practice, you'll relationship build, you'll problem solve, and you'll drive out. Captain Integrity Productions is excited to announce Bob Wade has joined the Tier 1 ranked national law firm of Nelson Mullins. But we are still Stark Integrity. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Today, I am thrilled to have with us Jerry Shaffron. Jerry is the Chief Executive Officer and founder of UComply. And Jerry and I met at the Healthcare Compliance Association meetings, and he's got a phenomenal company, phenomenal message. And I want to turn it over to Jerry to introduce himself and also UComply. Thank you, Bob. And I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you and your audience. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm the founder of UComply, as you mentioned. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is my home. Uh, married with two college-age children. Uh, and I guess I would call myself a serial entrepreneur as I, I'm a software person who's created several different software companies. The UComply product is really an, uh, it's an expert uh, software solution that simplifies regulatory compliance for every part of your organization. And it does that in a very straightforward way. Um, when a regulation comes out, we tell you what you need to do to comply, and we do that inside software you use to get the work done. So in a single sentence, it's what you need to do to comply, excuse me, what you need to do to comply inside software you use to do it. Yep. And as a former compliance officer, my, my listeners know that I was in-house as a compliance officer for several years. And uh, those type of tools, and I've actually looked at your tool and uh, your resource, and it's a phenomenal resource. So I encourage the listeners to go to the UComply website and to look at the resources that UComply has. Thank so you. let me have uh, start off by asking you about influence. And I know we're going to get to a point in this conversation talking about the perception of compliance within an organization. And when I was in-house, uh, you know, frequently people will say, well, you, you know, you're, you represent the government or you're the no guy. And so a lot of this has to deal with influence. So from an influence perspective, what do sales professionals and compliance professionals have in common? You know, when you ask that question, I'm guessing there are folks in your audience who probably uh, they pause, they're puzzled. Wait a second, sales professionals and compliance professionals, there is not a lot in common, but I would argue there's quite a bit that's in common. The biggest thing, one of the biggest things is perception. 
the perception of those professions within their organization or within the, the people they serve. As an example, sales professionals, they're perceived as pushy, don't take no for an answer. Uh, once they get their deal, they disappear. All of those negative connotations that folks have, and negative perceptions they have about sales. Compliance has a perception problem also in compliance professionals. As you mentioned, they're the department that says no. They are, one of the things I've heard is bad listeners. And recently, uh, somebody jokingly said to me, it's, it's where good ideas go to die. Um, you know, so it's the, the compliance profession and the sales profession have a perception problem as it relates to the industries they serve and support, in my opinion. Yeah. And when I was in-house one time, I had the chief operating officer look at me and he said, well, Bob, the whole view of compliance is back the money truck to the back of the hospital and push all the money truck out of the hospital. He said, we're going to compliance ourselves out of business. And at the end, when he left the organization, it's funny because he uh, said, I am now a preacher on compliance. I understand that compliance is not all about no, not all about the money, but it's also helping us be better business people. So, uh, well, with- you know, to extend on that revenue protection, you know, when it comes to there are a lot of stories out there. Recently, I was talking with a, a compliance professional related story, and this relates specifically to a rate change. There was a sleep study that was being done by the organization, and that sleep study was being there were bills being created to Medicare. And there was a, a an LCD that had come out which said that in the midst of doing the sleep study, one of the things that you had to do was physically measure the neck of the person participating in the study. That LCD was missed. Oh, wow. Over $1 million was returned because that one LCD, a one-paragraph LCD was missed. They self-reported it, but over $1 million was returned. So it's, it's revenue protection, something I stress all the time. Yes. And the other factor besides dealing with the executives are obviously physicians. And, you know, when I was in-house, I would be walking down and sometimes I would see a doctor turn around and walk the other way to avoid me. So how can compliance professionals channel that inner sales professional to get doctor's attention? Well, you mentioned influence when you started. Sales uh, is is measured, not measured, sales is a, has a, as, as a cornerstone of sales is influence. And Influence, at least as it relates to the professional world, is, is problem solving, right? You, if you have an ability to help solve someone's problem and bring value to them, you can be influential in how they do what they're doing. So relationship building is, a, is I believe, one of the most important things that salespeople do to learn about problems and to be influential because they're solving those problems. There are two things that I, I talk about all the time when I'm talking to salespeople and now and I'm doing this more with compliance people, two what I call superpowers that compliance professionals can use that salespeople have been using all the time to build those relationships, create value and solve problems. The first one is empathy. You know, and empathy is understanding and sharing the feelings of others. And this might sound a little odd as you, as you think about it, uh, but being empathetic as you're dealing with other individuals is just it's it is really a great way to start to build and create those relationships. Healthcare people have empathy, you know, that's in their DNA, right? So it's not a hard thing for folks in the healthcare profession 
to exercise and utilize empathy. I said there were two superpowers. You have to have the second one too. When I said empathy, I said understand and share. The second one is the understanding, and that's intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. You have to be curious about things, stuff, the problem, how it came about. How does it affect the person who you're talking to? How does it affect others? So, you know, having intellectual curiosity, a great way that, that we work with our sales and marketing, not sales, not marketing, but our salespeople, is we ask them to come up with a set of questions that anytime they get into a context where those questions are necessary, they already know what they are. And they mm-hmm. exercise that, that question set, demonstrating to the listener, the person whose problem you're trying to solve, that you really care. You want to know how it affects them. You want to know how it's affected others. And you're there to help solve that. So empathy and intellectual curiosity are two things, superpowers, that if you put into practice, you'll relationship build, you'll problem solve, and you'll drive value. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned superpower. That's one of the reasons why I created Captain Integrity uh, as a superhero for compliance. Uh, so anyway, that that connection between the compliance world, and I totally agree agree with you about the, uh, the, the various superpowers that compliance officers have or should have. Um, next, and this is relating to uh, how you communicate issues to especially physicians, but what kind of data or storytelling do you recommend in the compliance field? Well, storytelling is an ancient art, and I think it's a lo- bit of a lost art. Um, storytelling is a, just a it's, a, it's a really great way to, what I talked about earlier, build relationships, build value. Some of the things that I would suggest as it relates to storytelling is, first of all, find stories and create stories that are simple and easy to understand. They also have to be impactful, which that's that can be a little more difficult. One of the examples that we use when we're talking to compliance professionals in our world is most people don't understand the number of regulations that the organization as a whole is subject to. So if you were to walk into Revenue Cycle or, or a lab lead or head of pharmacy or even CFO at the executive C-suite level and say, hey, I want to just get an understanding of, do you know how many regulations we as an organization have to deal with on a monthly, quarterly basis? Most often the answer to that is no. And that number is almost always more than what's expected. So. A great story that we suggest to compliance people is try and find out whether it's through a solution or in other any other fashion, start to figure out the number of regulations that your organization is subject to on a regular basis. Have that tucked away in your pocket so that when you when you're out storytelling, especially if you're trying to build value and talk about the value the compliance department brings, bring that data out. Hey, this last quarter, I happen to know in Q3 of 2022. There were 454 federal regulations that came out that almost every provider out there had to in some way look at. So having that story when you're talking to senior executives, when you're talking compliance committee, hey, there were 454 regulations in Q3 that came out that we had to deal with, manage, work with, and comply with in many cases. It's a great way of both creating value um, but storytelling in a way that people will find impact. Wow. I had no idea it was that number. You know, and based upon value, too, because a lot of times if, if compliance is effective in the organization, we're preventing 
that you know multi-million dollar uh, lawsuit or the Quitam case. And so uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, you look at it and whenever there's a reduction in hospitals, every once in a while, I, I hear that either the compliance department or the legal department is being reduced because, well, we solved all our problems. Well, no, they prevented the problems from happening. So yeah, to your point about value. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's counterfactual, right? That's a, that's a, the ability to build and deliver value. Unfortunately, a lot of people overlook regulatory change management is a great way to do that. It's highly metricable. Everyone understands these are regs, we have to deal with them. So it's a great way for a compliance function to, to create the value and then promote it, trumpet it, talk about it, get out in front and tell people, this is what we're doing. Sorry, I went yep. off there. No, but that, that's great. I mean, value is a really important thing. And, and I think when I was in-house and even with my clients, one of the things I talk about with value is by looking at the recent settlements and cases and the large million-dollar impact. And that is – I always pointed out that that's the value that the compliance or the legal department is bringing because we're trying to prevent that type of outcome. So that, that's just a great point. So next, next one, I, and this is always a favorite of mine, about the department of no. Um, so, again, the, the perception of compliance a lot of time is that that's where you know, the no comes in or um, they're just not creative enough or they don't understand our business. They're not about that business objective. So compliance often feels they are the department of no. In the case of Stark, where being compliant means saying no to income to doctors, how can a compliance show up and be seen as a trusted advisor rather than the department of no? So I guess that the, what I would start with with that is, is first of all, proactivity. You have to get, you have to be proactively ahead of whatever that is, whether it's Stark or anything else. In the case of Stark, you want to make sure that the department that owns that contract, that you know, that doctor, you know, wherever that that revenue is being created, that the department is aware of what the requirements are under the regulation. In this case, Stark, the department that awareness in a proactive nature um, should be followed up or should include training. Obviously, you know that you should be training those individual doctors about what this is, so that. At the end of the day, it's not about no, it's about that revenue protection. It's not after the fact we have a problem, it's before the fact I'm going to make sure that I'm protecting your revenue. If you follow these steps ahead of time, there'll be no issues. I'll make you aware of what they are. I, will, I as a compliance function, will come out, I'll train you, I'll set up programs to keep track, I'll monitor on a regular basis. If we get sideways, I'll step in and, and we'll work together. But what I want to do is I want to be a revenue protector. That I think is a critical way and a, a, an easy, not easy, uh, but a way where compliance can be a value creator at the table with docs and clinicians if they're talking about revenue protection. Yes. And also, I guess with revenue protection, looking at it from a doctor's perspective, it should also be income protection uh, because if their organization doesn't get paid, then they don't get paid or have a lower expected income. Right. So.
So, Jerry, now is the time in this episode where we have the three Captain Integrity punch points for today's episode. So I'll leave it up to you to provide our listeners with the three Captain Integrity punch points for today. Captain Integrity punch point number one, channel your inner sales. Don't be afraid to get out in front of your computer, get in front of people, build relationships, and drive value. Captain Integrity punch point number two, simplify. Always look to simplify. If you can build a framework or a process that you can reuse again and again, that's simple and easy to understand, do it. Captain Integrity point number three, be an instigator of change. The role of the compliance function is changing. It's no longer about checking boxes. It's no longer about hiding just behind the computer. Of course, you have to do work in front of, behind your computer. Get out in front, look to change things, look to create positive change where value is available, where value creation is available. That's it. Those are awesome. Those are awesome, Jerry. And again, I just want to ask my listeners to, to please go on to the UComply website, look at their products that they have available with the regulatory perspective that Jerry's been talking about. Uh, you can create value by not having you know, the negative impact of a QUITAM relator or the government breathing down your back. So in closing, Jerry, can you provide our listeners with your contact information? Sure. My email is J S H. A, F as in Frank, R, A, N as in Nancy, at youcomply, Y-O-U-C-O-M-P-L-I.com. And our website is www.youcomplysamespelling.com. Well, thanks, Jerry. It's been a great episode, and I look forward to doing another one in the future. Looking forward to it, Bob. You take care, and I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.